Well, Psalm 46, and my intent is to be brief this evening. That is the intent tonight. But I hope this psalm will be a source of encouragement to you as it has been to me this week in my study and preparation of it. Uh, Just going through some of these psalms on Sunday evenings has been such an encouragement to me. And this is certainly a well-known psalm and one that uh, we all need to commit as much to it to memory as we possibly can. Psalm 46, um, let's read this responsively tonight. Can we do that? I'll, I'll read verse 1, and then we'll all read all the even verses. I'll read all the odd ones uh, out loud by myself, and then we can all read the even ones aloud. I love to just hear God's people reading the Word of God and saying the Word of God together. God is our refuge and strength, a, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this psalm. Just the reading of it has encouraged our hearts. And Lord, I pray that tonight... We will leave here strengthened. Some messages are, are certainly convicting and challenging. Some, some messages serve to bring encouragement to the body of Christ. And I pray that tonight for each and every one that is here. For those that need it right now. For those that will need it in the days ahead. We pray this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Inspired by this psalm, Psalm 46. Martin Luther penned the words to a wonderful, great hymn of the faith. Some of the language is kind of outdated, and we don't sing it a lot anymore, but the words to it are powerful words. And perhaps some of you have heard it, A mighty fortress is our God. How many of you have heard that old hymn? If you know it, I want to ask you to sing it with me a cappella tonight, all right? If you don't, just kind of hum along. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal seals prevailing. For still our ancient foe Doth seek to work us woe, his craft and power are great, 
and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his e. Kind of depressing, right? Till you get to this verse. And I know I pitched it a little low, so. Did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dusk, ask who that. This is the exciting part. Christ Jesus, it is He. Sabbath, His name. From age to age, the same. And he must win the battle. Of course, Martin Luther penned that doing battle with the Roman Catholic Church leadership and even the Pope himself. Surrounded by threats and pressure of the church for preaching and teaching that salvation was by faith alone in Jesus Christ through grace and not of works. There were times he was surrounded with trouble and pressure that he would say to his close friend and his ministry partner, Philip, come on, Philip, let's go sing Psalm 46. And they would sing this psalm. The psalm is easily divided, really a song, into three stanzas, verses 1 through 3, verses 4 through 7, verses 8 through 11, and it's... It's ending, it ends, each stanza ends with the call to pause and reflect. The word sila is mentioned there. Slow down, think, think about it. Stop panicking and pause. And the message in the doctrine of the psalm is that no matter what may come in this life, that God's people are joyful and God's people are secure knowing what kind of God we have knowing that he is our refuge. It's a psalm of confidence, and each, each stanza has three elements. First of all, a statement of confidence, declaring God's protection, declaring God's presence in our life, and then a description of God's care in the midst of our trouble, and then a call to stop and reflect on those things. All of us have used the phrase, falling apart, before. Maybe you've said, our, my car, maybe you're saying right now, my car is falling apart. Or something in our house is falling apart. Or this old body is falling apart. We all have used that. Perhaps today, in, a, in another sense, your marriage is falling apart. Or your finances are falling apart. Or your career is falling apart. Or your health is falling apart. Or your relationships are falling apart. Or you would just say, my life in general is falling apart. And we've all felt that regarding something that is happening in our life. Sometimes life throws at us things that we have no control over and it seems completely out of control. And it is in those moments that I want to submit to you that we need Psalm 46. And we need to be reminded of the truths that are in this psalm. As I said earlier, if you're not there tonight, you will be at some point. And you can think of Psalm 46 as a 
as a psalm of prescription, a psalm that is medicine to the soul that we will need from time to time in this journey through life. And so I want to just give you some encouragement tonight. First of all, we see in stanza one that God is our refuge. God is our refuge. And because of that, we can run to God. We can run to God. And we see this in verses one through three. Again, verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The word trouble there means restricted. It means cramped in a very narrow place where you feel like you can't move. Have you ever just felt there? You felt paralyzed. You felt stunned. You felt like there was nowhere to go. And when you and I find ourselves in that situation, the Psalm says this, God is a very present help. A very present help. You know what that means? An immediate help means you don't have to wait on him. He is a present help. He is an immediate place to find refuge and strength right now, right when you need him. And then don't pass over the word very. I would encourage you to mark those words. Very present. Very. He is more present. Very means he's more present than anything else. He's more present than your closest friend on earth. He's more present than your spouse. He's more present than any friend or family that you have. And he's even more present than even the trouble itself. A phrase of a mighty fortress is our God that we don't hear sung a lot is given to us. It says this, a fortress firm, a steadfast rock is God in time of danger. A shield and sword in every shock from foe well-known or stranger. A mighty fortress is our God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then notice verse number two. Because of that, the psalmist says, we will not fear. When you and I are reminded that he is our refuge, he is our strength, he is a very present help in trouble, then we can say with the psalmist, we will not fear. And then he goes on to explain this, what may cause fear in our lives. He goes on to describe earthquakes and tsunamis and volcanic eruptions that literally blow mountains apart. He says, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. The setting of this psalm is when the Assyrians had come to conquer Egypt in 710 BC and as they were conquering all the cities and they were killing all the people in the cities along their path, along their way was a little city called Jerusalem. It stood in their way. The people of Jerusalem are in a panic. They know that the Assyrians are on their way. They know that they are in their path. And the the Israelites demand that their king Hezekiah do something. What are we going to do? And as any king would be, Hezekiah felt the pressure. He felt the weight as a leader of their nation. And he didn't know what to do. He, He knew that humanly speaking, they didn't have a chance against the Assyrians. And so he takes this letter that has been brought to him by a messenger and he, he takes it to the temple. He takes it to the temple and he spreads out the letter before the Lord. And Isaiah, the prophet, 
came to Hezekiah and commended him for finding his refuge in God. And he encouraged him to just trust God. That God would deliver his people. That God has promised to deliver his people. And we don't have time to go into the whole story tonight. You can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19. But that night a miracle took place and God kept his word as he always does. And 185,000 Assyrians were killed before they ever got there by some rare disease. He is our refuge and strength. Out of that context, this song, Psalm 46, which is a song that was sung, it was written for the nation of Israel to sing. It was a reminder that whenever they found themselves in a situation between a rock and a hard place, where there was no way out, where there was no way where through, when there was nowhere to go, that they could go to God, their present refuge and strength. And then I want you to notice and circle the word although or though. Although or though, verses 2 and 3, though the earth, though the mountains, though the waters, though the mountains. I love what Spurgeon wrote about this. Alps and Andes may tremble, but faith rests on a firmer basis. It is not moved by swelling seas. Let me ask you tonight, what is the all though in your life? What is the all though? The thing standing in between you and your faith in God. Although my finances are low, God is my refuge and strength. Although my child is rebelling, God is my refuge and strength. Although my marriage is in trouble, God is my refuge and strength. Although my job is up in the air, God is my refuge and strength. Although the medical report is bad, God is my refuge and strength. What is it in your life tonight? Although, whatever it is, listen, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. Right now. Although you've just walked through the valley of the shadow of death, God is our refuge and strength. Although, 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 I will still sing, God is my refuge and strength. I will still sing, a mighty fortress is our God. A bulwark never failing. And then he says, now stop, Selah, stop and pause and think about that. Meditate on that truth. The psalmist echoes this in Psalm 61, verse 2 and 4, and maybe you just want to write that there beside the first three verses. He said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when, I love this phrase, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know what he's talking about, don't you? When your heart is so overwhelmed that you don't even have the words to explain how much your heart is overwhelmed. When you can't share it with anyone else, he says, when my heart is overwhelmed, don't lead me to the phone to pick up and call somebody and talk about it, but lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. Listen. 
God is our refuge. Run to God. Don't run to substance. It'll fail you. It'll trick you. It'll make you think that everything's okay when it's really not. Don't run to substance. Don't run to pleasure. Don't run to relationships. Run to God. God is our refuge. I love the hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. What's it say? Let me hide myself in thee. Stanza one, God is our refuge. Run to God. Stanza two, God will overcome the enemy. Rely on God. Don't just run to God, but rely on God. We are more than what? Conquerors. We are victors. We are winners. And stanza two, I believe, has a prophetic implication. Not only is God our present refuge, but the city of God will one day be our permanent refuge. Of course, Jerusalem was the city of God. Verse four and five, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. But John also uses these same descriptions in Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse number 2, when he says, And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And I love this. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And here are all the no mores of eternity. There is no more death. There is no more sorrow. There is no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. The psalmist is calling for the people not only to look back and to remember the faithfulness of God, but to look ahead to the promises of God. He's calling them to live their present life with a prophetic outlook, or as we have said recently, to live with eternity on the forefront of our minds and our hearts. One day there will be peace on the the earth. How many of you believe that? One day he will bring peace to this earth. But guess what? You and I as his children do not have to wait till he brings peace on this earth to experience peace in our hearts. We can still have the peace of God in our hearts in the middle of chaos. Knowing that one day he is bringing peace to this earth. Verse 6, even though the heathen rage. Even though the heathen rage. The kingdoms were moved. I thought about that little phrase, the heathen raged. We live in a society where the heathen rage, where they're loud. They're loud and proud. What they used to do on the back streets and corners, they now flaunt on Main Street. They have tried their very best and they are accomplishing it to a great degree to lull people to sleep, accepting little by little what they have to offer. But he says here, the heathen rage. They think that if they're loud enough, they can somehow drown out the voice of God. 
The writer wants to remind us that no matter how loud they get, one day God is going to put down the heathen. And he is going to establish his kingdom on the earth. And so verse 7, he says, let us arise and sing. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And I would just encourage you to circle that little phrase, the God of Jacob. I am personally glad that he didn't say the God of Abraham or the God of Isaac. But aren't you glad that even he is the God of the old trickster and deceiver, Jacob? Because that's us, isn't it? He is still... The God of repentant, saved sinners. No matter what the present looks like, we can sing a song of praise knowing what the future holds. And that's what he's calling them to do. Sing. Sing, not knowing what's ahead. One of my favorite New Testament stories is found in Acts chapter 16 when Paul and Silas are thrown in the prison. And right there in the middle of the prison, Paul says, let's Let's have a concert. Let's sing the praises of God. And they began singing. And I love what the Bible specifies in Acts chapter 16, that the prisoners and the workers heard it. You see, it wasn't just a song of praise. It was a song of evangelism because one of the, one of the jailers got saved. One of the jailers heard what they were singing about, and then they saw their God do something miraculous, and they feared the God of Paul and Silas. They turned in repentance and faith to the God of Paul and Silas. I love what someone said. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. Let me say that again because I, oh, it is in your notes. Joy is the flag flown high from the castle of my heart when the king is in residence there. It's an indication that the Spirit of God is alive and working in our hearts. I believe that God, in the midst of our trials, when everything seems to be falling apart, that God can still give His children joy. If you remember, as we were going through Philippians several years ago, we, can, we continually, each and every week, reviewed the theology of joy. And I love it. It is that joy is a gift of God to those who believe the gospel being produced in us by the Holy Spirit, mixed with trials. And I love this last phrase, as we set our hope on future glory. You say, how can we have joy in this wicked world? How can we have joy in the midst of the pain? How can we have joy in the midst of the circumstances? Our joy is not based on what we are in now. Our our joy is based on our hope of the future, our hope of future glory. God gives us a song in the night. In the worst of the worst of times, the child of God should never give way to mistrust. Since God remains faithful, there can be no danger to his purpose or people. And then again, he says, Selah, stop. Think about that. Think about that truth. God will overcome the enemy. Why are we fretting? Why are we worrying? Why do we sit there hours of a day watching the news? Increasing our worry, going to the doctors, needing more anxiety pills because we have just sat and filled our hearts and minds with anxiousness. Why don't we go to Psalm 46? Why don't we run to God? Why don't we rely on God? And then lastly, stanza three, 
Not only is God our refuge, not only will God overcome the enemy, not only should we run to God and rely on God, but we should rest in God. Why? Because God will bring peace. God will bring peace. Let's read it again and let's read it aloud all together, verses 8 through 11. And say it like you mean it. Ready? Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Now say verse 11 really loud like you really mean it. Ready? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of... Amen. It happened in the day of Hezekiah, and guess what? It is going to happen again in the future as God brings an end to all war. God gets blamed for a lot of wars. And yet in the end, he will bring all into war. Notice that it's not so much, though, the unrest of the nations that the psalmist is most interested in, but the unrest and trouble in our hearts. So he says, be still. Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? Stop. And your phone will go off. So when you get still, go put your phone away. Just be still. Just get quiet. Have you ever just gotten in a place and got quiet and said, God, would you you speak to me? Would you minister to me? Would your spirit visit me? And just be still. You know what that means? Stop striving. From the moment we get up in the day, we're striving. Got to go here. Got to go there. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to get this to-do list done today. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Be still. And know what? That he is God. He is God and we are not. Be still and know that I am God. William Carey served in India for 40 years as a missionary without ever returning to to England, without a furlough, 40 years straight. And fruit remains today in the ministries that were founded by him in the late 1700s. But if you have read his biography, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to do so. It shares an incredible story about a fire that broke out in his warehouse and his printing plant 20 years after he had been there. 20 years he had been working on translations. 20 years he had been working on publications. Some of them had gotten published. Some of them were not, many of them were not finished yet. Some of the translations were not finished yet. And this fire destroyed them all in just a matter of hours. 20 years of work. 
was gone. Can you imagine you're doing this so that people can hear the gospel? You're doing this so that people can have the word of God in their language. And like all of us would, Carrie struggled with the answer as to why. And of course, he had churches there that he was ministering to. And on the coming Sunday, he was expected to stand and to preach to those churches. He says, in the quietness of the weekend nights, that the Spirit of God very directly led him to Psalm 46. And specifically, verse number 10 where he stood on Sunday and he preached Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. And he had two points to his sermon. Number one, God is right to do with us as he pleases. God is God and we are not. Number two, our duty is to surrender to God's will. What is faith if we understand it all? Is it faith? Faith is the substance of things not seen. You know that there's answers that we'll never get on this earth? I love that old song, we'll understand it better by and by. Some things God doesn't want you and I to understand. Are you going to demand an answer? Or are you going to say, God... You're God, I don't get it, but I surrender to your will. The phrase be still means to relax, to rest, to be quiet, to stop striving. Here's one, stop manipulating. You know what he's saying? Stop trying to make things happen. Stop trying to control everything and everyone. Be still. Take your hands off. Stop manipulating the situation. Stop striving. Listen, if he can take care of the nations, don't you think he can take care of you? We used to sing, how many of you remember in children's church? He's got the whole world. If you know it, sing it. He's got the whole world in his hands. 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 Yeah, there's more verses. We're not going to sing them all tonight. If you want to hear the rest of them, see Noel after the service and he'll give them to you. <laughs> if he has the whole world in his hands, can he take care of you? Out of the mouth of babes is the right answer. That's right. And then he says, Sila, think about it. Think about it. Just over 115 years ago, a financial crisis I won't ask you how many of you remember that because that was even before Noel's time. But a financial crisis occurred in the U.S. and it became known as the Banker's Panic of 1907. And it impacted many industries, including a copper mill in Bisbee, Arizona. And the lack of funding, of course, led to a dispute between 
the copper mining companies and the mine workers that were there in Arizona. They were underpaid. Their working conditions were terrible. And so all the workers came with a, a written demand, a list of demands for better pay and better conditions. And of course, the company refused and retaliated. Any mining worker who complains about their condition will be fired immediately on the spot. And so the mine workers were faced with a dilemma. They were either to choose to work at the rock face of the quarry or to lose their job and to make matters even worse. And one of the workers coined this this phrase, we're between a rock and a hard place. The rock was, of course, the quarry wall and the hard place was unemployment. Neither was good to them. It became a phrase that became very popular. And perhaps like the psalmist that penned Psalm 46. Because the people of Israel was certainly between a rock and a hard place. And the writer says, God is our refuge and God is our strength. Let me ask you tonight in closing, what truth are you speaking to your heart? What truth are you speaking to your heart in the midst of this dilemma? When you feel pressed in, when you feel like you don't have anywhere else to go, when you feel like the world is crumbling in on you, when you are in a rock and a hard place, What truths are you speaking to your heart? Because listen, you can guarantee it every single time the enemy is going to throw his attacks, his thoughts into your mind and into your heart and into my mind and into our heart because that's the battleground. That's where he does his work. And if you sit and just let those bombs come and you think about them and you take them in, then guess what? It is going to dominate your life. So what truths are you doing battle with? Why not start with Psalm 46? God is our refuge. This won't last forever. God will take me through it. God is my present help. God is in the midst of the storm with me. God will be my help. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Be still and know that he is God. Hey, they're not going to win. He will be exalted among the heathen. Next time you watch Fox News and hear all the, the stories, one right after another, why not tell yourself this truth? He will be exalted among the heathen. He will be exalted in the earth. In closing, let me just suggest, these are very elementary, practical action points. But I want to encourage you tonight to do three things. Number one, memorize Psalm 46.1. It's easy. In fact, let's say it again out loud and maybe just memorize it right here. Say it with me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's easy. Let's say it again. God is our refuge and strength. Now take it away and see if we can do it without it on the screens, all right? Ready? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. I have a cheat sheet on the back back there. It gives me both screens.
Memorize verse 1. That will help you. God is our refuge. Memorize verse 10. Maybe you already have. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Say that together. Ready? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. One more time with it not in front of you. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. And then read and sing this week the lyrics to A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A bulwark never failing. John Wesley on his deathbed, he was so weak that they couldn't understand what he is saying. And those of us who have been at the bedside of folks who are dying understand the scene, don't we? They're trying to say something. You can't quite make out what they're trying to say. At last, with all of his strength, just before he passed away from this earth, with his last breath, he raised up and he said, the best of all is God is with us. The best of all, and he didn't say it once. He said it twice. The second time he lifted up his hand. The best of all is God is with us. Aren't you thankful for Emmanuel? God is with us. God is our refuge. So run to God. Rely on God. And rest in God. Rest in his promises.